Before the bloodbath begins, slither your way over to the host's socials. For the podcast, slash over to Twitter at the BHO underscore podcast. Instagram, the Baron's Hideout Podcast. Then stab over to Dean's Instagram at Dean of the Dead Hot Sauce. Listen to the show on your favorite apps and Patreon. Enjoy the sleigh and try to stay alive. For the next period of time, strap in as the hosts rip and tear at the unsuspecting guests, and which to learn their dark secrets and methods of the genre. In this bloodbath, no one gets out alive. This is within the barrens. Dustin. I'm solo today, but that's okay because we have two amazing guests. So we have joining us today are two out of the three creators of Dead Mouse Productions, Gary Smart and Christopher Griffiths. Um, we're here to talk about the, I think, one of the most highly anticipated documentaries in a while is uh, Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert England story. Fantastic documentary. I really have to say that. But before we dive into all that, Gary, Chris, how are you both doing? Uh, tired. <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's, I can imagine. It's been a whirlwind, really, because I think on our previous docs, we've had kind of like nice feedback. This seems to be the one what it just seems to have blown up, really, in regards to, I know why, because it's Robert. Yeah. But hopefully, it's because the quality is there as well, we hope, you know, and we're just kind of like, it's taking it all in now for us. It's kind of just really weird. You know, we're better press junket for the first ever time where we've literally been interviewed by 20 people and, and it's just been amazing it's, it's just and we're so proud i think genuinely proud of it yeah what about you chris how are you doing yeah good mate i mean like <laughs> gary said you kind of go through phases with all these projects where especially the post-production gets really tedious especially towards the end where you're like shit oh no we forgot that oh we gotta do this and there's not like two second turnarounds it's like oh i've got a spend 12 hours exporting it and then another 18 <laughs> uploading it or drive down to London to send it to the post-production people because there's not enough time of the post. And then you've had a bit, we've had a bit of a lull really, you know, the trailers come out. I didn't even know it was coming out and I was in France. It was like, Oh my God, the trailer. <laughs> and so this is part like we kind of really enjoy now where <laughs> yes, let's lap it up. Let's get all the glory from everyone. But no, it's, yeah, we, I mean, ultimately feel really good about this project. We always do with all of them, but I think, you know, for a bit of info to start off with, you know, this is the closest Gary and I have worked on a project together in 10 years of working wow. as cult screenings. This is probably the closest we've worked on a project together since uh, probably Hellraiser. And even oh, wow. then I was just as, excuse the language, I was his bitch at that point because I was inexperienced. <laughs> I'm still his bitch. I'm a bitch with an angle now. So um, <laughs> With an attitude. With, with an, an attitude, attitude. yeah. <laughs> Oh man! In the weirdest, in the weirdest way, probably the easiest project 
We've really still time. Oh, if my internet's going, sorry. Nope, you're good. You're good right now. Uh, you're stable. Yeah, uh, the the um the easiest project, which is like really strange in a way, because there's no green screen. That's always the bugger with these projects, oh, yeah. I think. I think I think I think it's been the easiest one for us, but also I think it's been the most kind of like passionate one because it was so important to get it right. It's the first one, first time in probably five years when me and Chris nearly killed each other on a project where we've literally nearly battered each other because we're so invested in, in it to get it right. And I think that's what I've been, not actually enjoyed the fight, but I've enjoyed obviously working really closely with Chris. And I think our relationship has evolved, as Chris said, uh, and it's been nice to get back, obviously just sitting there and talking films and, and spending some time together because we've all, the last few projects have been remote. You know, I've just been doing a lot of the background business side of things and dictating and Chris has been there, obviously liaising with John on obviously on Pennywise and liaising with, uh, obviously Eastwood on, on uh, Robodoc. This is the first time we've actually sat together and, and, and started dissecting something, which has been an amazing experience, as, as we said before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love everything you guys are doing, and I love it even more because everything keeps going on Screenbox. And I love yeah, Screenbox, yeah. you know, and they, they've been we supporting <laughs> everything you guys are doing, and I'm so excited to, to see more of your projects show up on there and, like, being able to talk to you the first time, Gary and John, too, with um, the Pennywise documentary, which was phenomenal, and then being able to, you know, go and talk to pretty much everybody that was involved with that afterwards was so, so, so cool. Um, so now see another project of yours that's going to be going to Screenbox is amazing. And I know that must feel so good knowing that you guys do have a home for the, the yeah. movies that you make. That must it, be really nice. It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of catch-22 for us because um, obviously we started off as independent, as you know, and obviously we did these through Indiegogos and Kickstarters. Mm -hmm. So obviously when we set these up originally, there was a different kind of path for us to go with these projects, very independent. But obviously for us, it's been amazing because we've gone we've gone very professional with a with a an amazing outlet. I've got to admit they have been brilliant. But at the same time, it's like shit. We've still you know, we we diverted a little bit from our original journey. Obviously that that causes problems for us naturally. It does. But yeah. these these things wouldn't be made now today without people like Screenbox. We just we couldn't do what we did ten years ago with Leviathan and, and Brewster. Because the world has changed, the the whole kind of like uh, documentary kind of world has massively changed now, and the legal side of it has changed actually more than anything. But we've been so lucky to get Screenbox and relationship with them, you know. And I I can't go into too much detail, but when we were obviously shipping this out, um, shopping it around, sorry, Hollywood Dreams, we had interests from several high, you know, well-known um, distributors and streaming channels. And I will, you know, significantly lots of money would have been offered for the Robert England because obviously how popular Robert is. Yeah. Well, even though obviously, you know, we've had an amazing relationship and deal with Screenbox, we just felt it was right with Screenbox. And I think for us, it was about how it was going to be handled and how Robert was going to be handled. You know, and we've already seen now there's going to be acquisition DVD, there's going to be a, a steelbook. There's obviously the theatrical release of one of it, our first theatrical release of a film we've done. Obviously, there's going to be kind of like merchandise as well along the line, down the line with this. We we really believe that we wouldn't have got that of anybody else other than Screenbox. They invested in this documentary and us, you know, we've been lucky. And, you know, in, in terms of our relationship, you know, Brandon from Cinedyne, yeah. who obviously we liaised with, uh, has been a diamond, really. You know, we met him in London last year. So I think, yeah, it just, it's, it's made us kind of step up our game, hasn't it, for us as well? 
you know, in terms yeah. and, 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 we've, and I know Chris has learned lots regards to the post side, deliverable side of it. Yeah, it's been a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no PTSD at all. <laughs> but now, um, so I wanted to ask you, um, because I know this has been you know being made for a while, but how, like, what's the total length from start to finish on the film? How, how long did it take you guys to get this together? I mean, um, I'll, I'll start, Chris can finish. So it's kind of, it's taken longer than it should have done because of COVID. Yeah, there's of no, course. There's no question about that, but it did us a favor. And I'm sure Chris will elaborate on that favor. It did us regards to the relationship with Robert. But we started off this in late 2018, talking to Robert, I think it was in November 2018. Okay. We originally reached out to him. We then met him in London on, in March 2019. In, went over to the States in July, August 2019 to obviously start doing initial interviews of Robert and the 40 other people. And then COVID hitting, obviously, the February, March 2020. So there was a year gap then, obviously, before we could get Robert back again. Because obviously, there was in, in, you know, the world shut down, as we all know. And obviously, international travel was gone. So, um, but that that did help us. It helped, I think, again, I don't take too much of Chrissy's kind of story, but... I'm sure you can elaborate, but I think the two points for me, which COVID helped with one, our relationship as filmmakers yeah. and our relationship with Robert. Is that, would you agree with that, Chris? Hmm. Don't know about our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, going with what Gary said, and I, I, you know, still took its time, but historically, you know, we've got RoboDoc, which is coming out this year, which will be seven years <laughs> since wow. production. Wow. Yeah. And Pennywise, it, ironically, the order of how they were shot was Robodoc, Pennywise, Hollywood Dreams and Nightwares. And the release has now been Pennywise, Hollywood Dreams and Robodoc. So wow. when I say it was like the smoothest one, it's because primarily there was no green screen, I would say. And how, I don't know, the, the technical elements of it, there's a lot of kind of things that have taken their time with those other projects. Um, I wasn't quite as involved on this project because I was babysitting Pennywise and a little bit of RoboDoc. So this was Gary's baby. And I had some a little bit of involvement. I came out to the States on the initial shoot. I didn't even get to meet Robert. So it oh. felt a bit ironic working on this documentary. And I missed him every opportunity that was there because of work. And then finally got to sit down on... So he was filmed four times, Robert, throughout the course of this oh, okay. project. Four setups with him. I think well, the interesting thing, certainly from our perspective, um, and then when you sort of sit and watch it and you notice it, you'll sort of maybe see as well. There's like four setups we got. One in his home, one in a hotel in London, another one in a hotel in London that looks quite Christmassy in the background. And then the last interview was actually done um, when we were in Sitges after we had screened it at its premiere. Uh, wow. Is, so... What I've really loved about this, which we haven't necessarily had with other projects, is the opportunity with time, which is obviously the biggest issue, to um, actually go and change things up. So we did a screening in Sitches, went well, but I think I certainly felt the second half dropped a bit. I think Gary might have as well. And Robert had a few suggestions himself. You know, he's like, okay. if you're happy with it, I'm happy with it. But, um, oh, you missed out this film I was in with Henry Fonda. And I was like, did you mention that in all eight hours we've got with you? <laughs> oh, I'm surprised. As someone who loves films, you didn't happen to mention working with one of the biggest uh, Holly, you know, golden age Hollywood icons, Henry Fonda. Yeah. So 
we, the more we thought about it over a couple day period after the screening, the more it was like, oh, there's this. Oh, we could do that and that. And so for me, the journey of the documentary kind of goes, I keep using this analogy, but it's like Scarface. You've got the humble beginnings. You work up, you work up, you work up, and bam, montage, Nightmare on Elm Street, or in Tony Montana's case, cocaine money. Yeah. But that's kind of how I feel like we've got the flow. That's why I was really excited about working on this project, different to doing just a singular film. Um, but it was kind of when it got to the 90s, we kind of just focused on some films for just too long, uh, in particular, like one called Dance Macabre, which is all right, but I just felt it got a bit film, 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 film. So we uh, we kind of came up with this place like, right, we need another montage for the 90s, you know, and what is that? Oh, he was traveling, he's big now. Yeah. Um, the biggest one as well, in terms of the evolution of our relationship with Robert, that very first interview the guys did with him, he was invested, but Gary must have asked one question and he just shot off with three hours of information. And it was almost like pre-programmed stuff. You know, he's probably told these anecdotes numerous times before. So he told his story as he knows it. But as this has evolved and being able to do this little ad hoc interview in searches, it was that you can kind of see he opens up. It goes from here's the facts. Second interview is about retrofitting some extra facts. The third one, he's told more open about his family history yeah and then the fourth one we could kind of almost like i'd say kind of direct him a bit more and ask those questions you wouldn't have wanted to ask if you didn't know him well enough at the start and the biggest one for me was actually addressing to at least incorporate a little bit of drama was the 90s weren't the greatest period for the slashers because it kind of like you had your 80s heyday and then the 90s were more Silence of the Lambs, Seven, Kiss the Girls. So all the slasher guys became a bit like, you know, old old stock. We don't want them anymore until Scream. I can see you've got Ghostface yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, And kind of like restarted it all. So, um, you know, it, that's what I was most interested in being able to achieve is actually why can't we need just that little bit more narrative about yeah. like, were you honestly contemplating the 90s? Is this it? Is it over? Um, and that to me was one of the biggest like wins for this project it was like holy shit we can actually we can make this better i hope anyway um so and we actually managed to reduce the runtime from two hours 15 to two hours 10 and actually incorporate a shed load more information the halloween anecdote wasn't in there before the henry fonda film the 90s stuff the 2000s so it kind of like yeah to be able to do that and finesse something you don't get that often. And so that's what I was really, really happy. I think I've just given you the long of the long there. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love listening to like all the, the background details and like what you guys go through. And I learned a lot from this doc. And, and that's what I always go to because sometimes I walk, I watch documentaries. I'm like, oh, I know that. I know that. I know that. Blah, blah, blah. You're just repeating things that's so common knowledge. But with the documentaries that you guys produce, it's like you, it's so insightful and so meaningful to me as like a, as a horror fan as a, a fan of film and like following these people's careers and whatnot and realizing like oh my god so he helped mark get into star wars he was almost in star wars like i didn't know any of that stuff and i'm like this is ridiculous like i thought i knew robert you know somewhat decently with you know after discovering him through nightmare obviously um and then I'm going in, in here and I'm learning so many things. I'm like, wow. Like I knew Robert was, he was full of wisdom and, and knowledge. Like I know that that's like, you know, one of his characteristics and it's always been that, but like hearing even more in this, I'm like, wow, this documentary is amazing. 
and <laughs> I'm going to be watching it again and again, and I'm going to be buying every single edition I possibly can because <laughs> this is a great film. Like seriously, well, well done on everybody's part for this. Like you keep upping it. Like I know you said this was what the last one essentially to come out, and it's the middle one now. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's like. Yeah. I'm so excited to see what the RoboDoc does now because I'm like, if this has so much, what's that one going to have? What am I going to be learning from that? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm so intrigued. <laughs> Four hours on just the first film. But again, a testament going back to Screenbox, really. You know, especially with all the projects, I'd certainly say Pennywise and RoboDoc. I've always had a faith in uh, the Hollywood Dreams one, to be honest. I don't know why, because it focuses more on a person. But yeah. It was the legalities of the other projects, which we've all got, you know, signed off and everything now, which is so nice and <laughs> a relief to know. But like their pro, you know, we we sat there for each- the the problem we have with our documentaries is feedback a lot is oh it's too long, and to other people it's not long enough. I think it's more I'm that joke- person. It's not long enough. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think for the fans, it's really hard to kind of get it just right between both. And I kind of think we've done it. It's all about trying to get as much information in, in the leanest, meanest possible way. You know, it's a challenge, but it can be done. It just takes a lot of thought to do it. But, you know, with Robodoc, we we always knew that was going to be like a, a dissection of the film. You know, every single scene, pull it apart. That doesn't lend itself to 90 minutes or to even two hours. It has to be four hours. And so to have a company like Screenbox say, you know, I think we all toyed with the idea of like, oh yeah, we'll make it episodic. It's like, oh, bollocks, who wants it? You know, I do. But the general <laughs> public don't want, you know, it's more like these on Netflix 9-11 documentaries, like, oh, you know, this is what happened next. Oh, I want to find out more. It's all true yeah. story or true crimes. And what's it going to be like for Robodoc? Oh, find out what happened in the next scene. Oh, is it where the guy- <laughs> oh, But to actually have a company like Screenbox say, no, 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 we, we can do this. We'll make it episodic. You're like, shit we've we've gone from just here's our feature length documentary out of our basements or you know stored up in our toilets being shipped off to people around the world to <laughs> actually this company and now so i say no this can be a series that can be feature it'll get a steelbook so again testament to screenbox that's why you know this isn't just blowing smoke it really is just like i can't believe we're at a point now it's like we're actually being able to see some of our crazy ideas come to fruition in a, in an official way. So yeah, we, we, you know, hopefully we can keep riding this wave and come yeah. up with some um, quirky ideas along the way. Yeah. I'm rooting for, for the whole team over here. You guys are really doing something special. Um, I think out of all like the, the companies that make documentaries, um, they're definitely one of the, the topper uh, ones that I think are pushing out high quality stuff very knowledgeable but it's also very fun to watch like you don't feel like you're you're in a lecture you know that's another thing that i have a lot of gripes with some documentaries it's like it feels like they're like they're like screaming at you to know this stuff you, you gotta yeah. you're putting it down your throat you it, it's with the music with the the cuts with how you do the montages how your storytelling the storytelling is so wonderful and how you guys create everything so i wanted to to know like when it comes to making this do you guys storyboard things do you already have an idea of like how are you going to do it or you just have questions line up and then you just wait to get them all in a row I'll let chris, you start. yeah chris and i've debated this quite a lot over the last couple of years about how the i think he's frozen <laughs> <laughs> there he is yeah chris and i've debated this over the last few years about how 
you write a documentary it's really difficult it's so strange it's not like writing an episode of you know of a series or a film you know you start off with the question you start from narrative it's a very basic narrative about we did lots of research on robert's career lots of research using biography i was on the plane reading biography as we were going to the states picking out key points of his life and important elements of that of, of obviously you know relationships with family members his first marriage obviously then Wes Craven you know we know obviously the, the journey to a degree and then you base questions around that kind of narrative but inevitably once you get a person in the chair it all changes you know yeah there's two ways I think it changes one obviously is how prepared they they are to yeah. give information and again with Robert we were lucky having four interviews at over that period of, of two years three years we became friends, you know, we came very close to him. So he, he, you know, let his guard down more than just obviously answering what he believed he had to answer. And the second is how we ask the questions and how comfortable we make people. And I think the good thing, particularly with me and Chris, I believe, because we're film fans, and I think because we're kind of cheeky chaps as well and we kind of like a little bit of banter, yeah. we tend to make people feel comfortable when they sit in the chair you know, and and we don't go in like very academic. We go in very kind of like, you know, jokey with them and we have a bit of a laugh. But also because we know, again, it's not bigging ourselves up or blowing smoke up our asses, because we know what we're talking about. Yeah. It comes across in the interview that if they've already answered a question, we don't ask that question again. And sometimes you can fall into that trap. You've got a list of questions in front of you. You're going A, B, C, D, e, and you ask the same thing. If we... We, I, I've watched Chris interview, and I, I hopefully believe I do it myself. Is that we listen so intently to what people are saying, we can bounce questions around, and so I think that evolves. And I know, I know Chris now hand it over to him about how it evolves in the edit, the story, because it massively. We've learned on this, it, it massively changed in the edit, doesn't it, Chris? We, yeah, we. I mean, we had a debate. I think we we've definitely evolved, and I can easily, I can absolutely picture how I was when Gary took me on board for the Hellraiser documentary. Four pages of questions. Uh, that was one of our mistakes back then, but we didn't know. Everyone was asked the same question, and you end up with information that's not useful, or yeah. even then, not appropriate to the person. Um, and I was just like, "What is your name? <laughs> how did you get that?" Oh, cool. And what I, so I just did what was on the paper. But obviously, yeah. the more you do, I do believe very much, and you don't learn unless you do, kind of thing. We've definitely evolved in terms of, and hopefully you should anyway, if you keep doing something. Um, you know, we've evolved in that respect. And so now there is that element of like, because you know, directed by you're like, eh, how can you constitute what who directs a documentary? And the more I think about it now, I think the more there's many, many parts to it. It's not just the questions. And with the questions, to be honest, it's some people might ask it in a monotone way. No, no, no. You want it, you you need to kind of steer them a little bit. You know, yeah. you know that this is a good thing coming up. So, you know, what was it like becoming an icon? It must have been amazing rather than was it fun being an icon? You know? Yeah, you can't be a robot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got to try and kind of it's acting's reacting, you know. So that's what because I, you know, I'm wanting to do more directing and certainly look at narrative down the line. So understanding that dichotomy of how I behave is how the person person will behave in return but i i did we we had like not a battle as such but in the edit gary and i you know i said we need to learn from all these things that the next one we do we need to have like this this this, this. and gary's like it's all well and good saying that but you know robert sort of gave me this interview and obviously he does he commands a room this yeah. is what he gave me and i'm like no 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 you should do this 
But of course, I probably would have been the same. Like, yes, anything you say, Mr. England. Ah. But because <laughs> I built with him and we'd had that debate, come the time I did this interview with him in Sitches, I knew what was missing. I knew what we wanted. And to yep. the point when I think that Halloween anecdote, I actually got him to re-say it again. I had the confidence to go, cool, can you kind of give it like a punchline? Like, you know, don't say you worked on Halloween, blah, 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 blah. Build up the story. What is this? Oh, I chucked some leaves. I did this. Yeah. And finish on. And that film was Halloween. So there's that element of direction. And then even in the edit, um, you know, we worked tirelessly on the edit towards the end. We had a nice baseline that was done for us uh, by our editor, Peter. Um, and then for me, it was just a bit like, okay, switch this around. We'll move. The <laughs> I kind of came in and did some stuff for that. I feel, I always feel bad, like sort of stepping on someone else's toes doing things. But edits kind of as pretentious as it sounds find themselves it's really weird it is a bit like a, no 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 you want this by here yeah this person's that so that should bounce onto that and that should bounce onto that okay then you need a breather and I, one of the you know one thing i was taught i always quite like is whenever you hit a taboo topic of something that's not great uh i actually got this from eastwood is if you're gonna not badmouth someone or talk about something but you do the shit sandwich approach uh. <laughs> which is you know, let's say in Paul Verhoeven's case, oh, he was a tyrant, he was a bastard, but he was really, he's really talented. Oh, but he was a dick. Oh, but yeah. he was, you kind of, you make that little thing of where, okay, the back and forth. So yeah, the writing, you can plan as much as you want, but you ultimately have to work with what you get and then retrofit things a bit afterwards in the edit. But, you know, I think as it evolved, you know, that opening sequence with the silhouette and the glove didn't exist uh until like the last minute yeah i, I think, saw you guys were you know, posting about that too i was like oh this looks really really cool and how you guys did it like it was it was so like we just gotta do it guys just yeah, gotta do yeah. it get your vape down there get your glove there you go let's just do it <laughs> film it oh, like, God, this, my, this my, is my, filmmaking at its finest my, my, <laughs> my lungs were killing after that <laughs> still vaping but i mean yeah, I think that's what i kind of felt we were missing a bit i think we kind of had an intro initially which was you know, it was it was good, but it just felt like stuff we've done before again and again, TV montages, and God knows how many times I must put the 80s TV effect on stuff and the grain. We all do it now. But um, I think it was just documentaries are going up and up and up and up and up yeah. and up, especially on Netflix and everything. And the recreation aspect and everything, like, you know, it's like, shit, you've got to up your game a bit now. And especially if you're talking about a person, and we lucked out massively. We hired a theatre local to Gary. Um, oh, yeah, I've said this already once. I'll say it again. That silhouette is actually not Robert. It's our friend, Neil, <laughs> who's posing as Robert, but he had it locked. I mean, I think he did a bad job. It looks job. great, though. Like, you, you could fool anybody with that. Yeah. Because it's a silhouette. So, I mean, you could do a lot with that. As long as like, the, everything looks right. It's like, oh, that's Robert. You know, the shoes he was wearing was it's like, even, yeah, it's even Rocky as well. Rocky's uh, Neil's son. We had him play a young version. And, and, oh, wow. And, and he Robert, looks like, he, yeah. Robert yeah. was like amazed, wasn't he? Robert was, like, Robert was like, I can't believe how much this kid looks like me. Did you cast a kid? So, did you yes, we searched high and low for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah the same profile, <laughs> no, yeah. It's strange. Wow. And then the same guy plays that um, the TV host, Steve Allen, that he talks about as a kid, you know, and it was like, oh, let's let's make it look a bit like Citizen Kane or something, you know, and let's, let's shoot it. Well, I, I knew the angle we wanted to go with. And then, you know, you've got to have a bit of a vision with these things. But then the experimentation I enjoyed, I was like, well, if I cut out every, I don't know, 23rd and 24th frame of this footage, 
it looks jittery like 1950s. So that's what was like really fun was, I mean, we don't use it a great deal, but I know that this is a first now. Oh, in the future, I think, yeah. We did a few little recreations for Pennywise. I think like the Game Boy was shot in the back garden of my workplace by (laughs) by apprentice. You boy, take my wife's retro Game Boy and there we go. Well, I'll be John Ritter's hands, the fat old ones. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, we we tested it a little bit with Pennywise, but I know going forward now, right, it's got to be more, more, it's more, you know, it's great shooting these interviews, making them look nice. But the thrill kind of comes a bit from like, holy shit, we're actually kind of making like little mini movie vignettes with these. Yeah. So I think, you know, the more we can do that down the line, you know, because that's documentaries are just going nuts now, as I said. They, and they the, are. And well, uh, the, the quality on them, I just feel I feel a constant need to like, shit, man, we got to have our game. We got to keep going. You know, Robo I feel like you guys already are. I really do. I think like. If you keep doing what you're doing and you are involving on these things that you're talking about, I think like you're going to be going miles more than you probably think you are. And um, I'm so excited to see everything and everything else that's coming next and, and whatnot. And like I said, this documentary was really, really well. I love Pennywise documentary. I really do. But this is such like a, a step of above all that. And I'm, I love Pennywise. Like I, I read the book so many times and I, I own the vinyl. I've watched the movies millions of times. But then when you go to something with Robert, like some, it's Robert fucking England, you know, it's like, damn, like this, this is going to be awesome. And it is like, you guys really, you have the name and you, you make it like a million times what you think it's going to be. And then I really, really, really respect that you guys did this for him and whatnot and that he likes it. And now that you have a friendship with him and everything, that's, that's really, really good because you don't see a lot of people going out and be like, we need to make a documentary about this person because they have such a, a, a legacy career. Usually things just fall by the wayside and you have to go do your own research or you go on YouTube and there's someone would do like a five minute mini documentary that's shitty, you know, but you guys dedicate two hours plus to this one guy's career and just showing oh. all the shit that he did and realize like, wow, there's so many other people out there now that I want to see a documentary of. Yeah. And I want you oh. guys to do it. Oh, <laughs> Well, we said as well, you know, not to sound morbid, but a lot of, you know, when people pass away, you know, how age, how old these people are, that's when the accolades come. That's when all the press comes. We had it with our friend Don Kaifa, you know, who can return a living dead. There's a picture of him, obviously, on the wall here. And he was really close to us. And when he was alive, you know, the fan base was there from the convention. But when he passed yeah. away, nobody, I mean, when he passed away, suddenly he was on, you know, E Hollywood, and it was like every news outlet was talking about this, you know, character at the dying, but no one was there when he was alive, and he didn't see that. So we, you know, why celebrate somebody when they're not here? Let them embrace that celebration. Let them be part of it. And that was really important. With obviously with this with us with Robert, and it, it doesn't want to come across as morbid, just doesn't. But when he's still here with us, and he's very healthy and he's very active, let him let him see the yeah. fan base. Let him see the accolades. You know, I know he sees it at conventions, but I'm hoping now people watch his doc that they're going to give feedback to him and go, "I didn't realize, you know, you were in this. I didn't realize how you know versatile you were. I didn't realize what range you had." I'm hoping that really happens for him. You know, and we're a little part of that, a very small part of that. I'm hoping. Yeah. No, I can I can say that it's happening with me. Like I realize he had a big career, but like realizing his range and how much he really did is is crazy and and immediate range as well you know i know you get the comedy in freddy but when you look at the other stuff he's done which is non-horror 
he's got that timing and it's just comedy timing. It's just something that's hard to have, you know, I've got it. Chris hasn't, you know, and that's just one of those things. <laughs> Chris is like, Oh, you know what? I'm done. Bye. I'm out. Find someone new. <laughs> no, not, not yet. I need him for a bit. Um, and uh, another person that I saw in here that I look up to, especially in the podcasting community is Mick Garris. How is it interviewing Mick Garris? He's a legend on his own too. Chris. Yeah, he, he was a good one. Did I do Mick's one? I think you were there. You were there for Mick's. I'm I was sure. There yeah, for it. John, John, John did Mick's, but you were there. John did Mick's. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, because we had this kind of thing where people would rock up. It's like I'm taking Lance Erickson. I'm taking Lance Erickson. Yeah, I'll Lance take was awesome yeah, too to see. There's a couple of there was a couple other ones, wasn't there? Um, I think just getting oh, Mick on board. I think we all know that Mick, obviously, he's a, a film kind of arch- archivist as well as being a, an amazing director. And obviously, he's interviewed Robert numerous times on his podcasts, you know, post-mortem with Mick Garris. So I've listened to those as part of our research for the doc. Yeah, those so, are so good. And obviously, there was a link, obviously, wasn't there, Chris, obviously, with, with Freddy's Nightmares. Obviously, he directed episodes of that. So, think, he was yeah. just, yeah, he was just he never talking we wanted people. I mean, like you know, Mick Garris is because I've seen he's he's appearing now in a, a Vincent Price documentary. Uh, Mick Garris. Today, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Uh, um, and obviously, you know, there's people who feature in this. Your Eli Roths, Mick Garris's, uh, even Corey Taylor. Yeah. And you can almost say a bit like, "Oh, look, you got them." In particular, I had a friend of mine, you know, in a joking, you know, friendly joke where it's like, "Oh, of course you got Corey Taylor," but we got Corey Taylor because he's actually with robert in a film do you know what i mean we haven't just yeah. thrown in face value you know that we we you, you've got to choose your players wisely again we used to probably just get whatever we could but with this one you're kind of a little bit you know with robocop find whoever was on that bloody set kind of thing so we got about 100 people yeah. with this you've got to be a bit more controlled with who you have and in a way robert can talk robert's obviously gonna give off his life story inevitably but you know, one of our things we were conscious of at the start, which is why some creative decisions were made, I think, prior to my involvement on the edit, was, okay, let's start off with a Nightmare on Elm Street anecdote. Ha <laughs> ha, we've lured you in. Yeah, it's Freddy. Woo, Johnny Depp's name checked. And then, like, 10 minutes into it then, we kind of do this time hop to Robert's very given that bounces off the fact that he was nurtured by his, you know, uh, elders when he was sort of first getting into it all. Um, and I think having people like Mick and even David Dalvale is really important because you need those kind of like storytellers. They're crit- they they critique, but at the same time they can kind of they can they can guide the story along a bit. Whereas other players will primarily be there because they happen to feature in a film or certainly in the slasher uh, uh, realm. You know, your Tony Todd's, Bill Mosley's, and Kane Hodder's you know that really you can only kind of justify their involvement from the 80s onwards where it's like let's let's finally go into that realm of horror fandom and horror genres and everything like that so having people like mick and david be able to you know god knows how many times we actually relied on their comments to be like right okay rob you've had your time now for a good 10 minutes on screen let's go to someone else for a bit because i don't think we got much in a way of his peers from the 70s stuff, did we, Gary? I think. No, no, it's difficult. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people he'd worked with were older than him at the time. Yeah. Uh, obviously, unfortunately, of past, you know, he was, you know, think about him in the 70s, him. He was only a kid. He was like 20, 21, if that. Yeah, very young. Uh, obviously, a lot of those people, you know, he, he's kind of like colleagues and, and directors and actors that aren't around anymore. 
and others are your Jeff Bridges and your Arnold Schwarzeneggers who you're just not going to get the projects like yeah this. that would have been nuts if you got Arnold though whoa yeah I mean we tried <laughs> we did try we you know we always try I mean it's and like any documentary everyone always goes why didn't you get so and so well we tried you know we're not yeah. we were with them you couldn't fans. be bothered to get Stephen yeah. King for yeah. Pennywise yeah, yeah you know what yeah. who's Stephen King no I don't know him yeah don't know him. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> we tried we tried Arnie we tried Jeff Bridges and obviously Jeff Bridges was obviously not saying the reason why you do a doc but I know he was ill at the time obviously had the cancer scared didn't they uh, and we tried him Sally Field we tried uh, Mark Hamill because that you know that story obviously that they you know Mark Hamill does dispute that on Twitter sometimes about this whole how did he get Luke Skywalker but Robert's yeah. adamant Robert's adamant and then we found a photograph of we we had a response again you know I don't mind saying from uh, Mark's people saying Mark didn't really know Robert and didn't share an apartment with him what yeah, then we, yeah. and then we had a photograph of Robert on the set of Star Wars obviously when it, the special effects scenes was shot obviously in LA with Mark. That is so weird. nuts. Yeah, it's just weird. It's just weird. But you know, and I know people have their obviously journeys and their own stories and obviously that's entitled to them. Obviously how they create their, their kind of journey. But for us, we're like, should we include that now? We were actually contemplated not including that story and we thought, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to include it, it because yeah. Robert tells the story and it's and there's evidence there that they knew each other. And you know what? If, if Robert, you know, maybe exaggerate something i don't know but it's an interesting story and he he's always told that you know you look at his biography it's in there you know he's told on obviously other interviews so um you know screw it we're going to put it in so we got chris we got my hands on the script as mark hamill's hands <laughs> they're perfect gary they're I'm, perfect well, i've been more like prince charles hands at the moment but you know oh man <laughs> that's great king charles i need to be correct that because he's now our king not our prince yeah so. all right all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's crazy that they were like yeah no he had no yeah wow. it's weird it's a weird response and then it was like no he and was like okay well and it's a shame because i would i mean again you know you talk about icons you talk about people you You'd love to meet and you know we've been very lucky on our journey in the last 10 years that we've met people not through conventions but through working with people you know and we've been so lucky you know we've you know, i know personally and obviously with chris you know the ronnie coxes and kenneth cranham's and ray wise and paul verhoven and kurtwood smith's you know tom hart all these people this is names we've had to meet because of yeah. our job basically and this is one of those you would we would i would have liked to just met anyway mark Hamill, because you know you can't you can't question his status in in, in the industry, especially you know the sci-fi fantasy industry. You can't you can't question it. He's a, he's a, an icon himself. Shame that he didn't want to participate. But again, we always try. You know, we always yeah. always try to get people. And there's a few people we actually booked in for this. We just couldn't interview because of scheduling. You know, Alice Cooper wasn't it? Chris, one of them. You know, uh. he wanted he wanted to do it. You know, and then there was obviously COVID again. Fucked everything and. Um, there was a director of the last showing, a, a film that Robert loves, a British film. Uh, wow. Bill Hawkins, he was booked in, and then COVID hit, and you get to a stage where you got to go. Oh, we've got to just not, we can't do anymore because it's going to delay even further, and, and we got to retrospectively put them in there, retrofit those in, and it's a shame because we'd love to get everybody we could, but you've got to just tighten it, haven't you? In the end, yeah. Um, out of all the people that you mentioned, like the ones that you tried to get or the ones you couldn't fit in, was there anybody that did make it on film that you were surprised that they said yes to be interviewed? Um, 
it's really weird. Corey Taylor, probably one of them, because I know yeah. that, that because prior to us doing that, Corey hadn't done many docs. You know, now he appears in like all horror docs. Now he does. Uh, you know, eighties horror docs he's featured in there and whatnot. But I was probably he was hard to get. Uh, Lance again as an icon to getting Lance involved because his career is quite tight with Robert in the sense of that. It's quite 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 loose with Robert. Sorry, there's one film together really, but the friends. Yeah. Um, no, I mean Lin Shay. Uh, you know, it's weird. Really. You have this perception people aren't people are going to say no, and they jump on board. And we've always had that uh, on most of our projects. Where Tim's been a perfect example of that. Tim, you know, you're never going to get Tim Curry, and we got Tim Curry. And obviously Weller, you know, we took us took us five years to get Weller and, and, and a substantial amount of negotiation, but we got him and Verhoeven as well. But so I don't know. It's really difficult because we all, we just try. We try every avenue we possibly can. We're lucky to have Mikey uh, Perez, uh, who again knows people, and because he's done Never Sleep Again, Chris Lake Memories, he's done obviously uh, the um, what was the one he's done? Friday Thirteenth, More Brains. He has contacts and he does convention circuit. So we've built our own network over the last 10 years as well of knowing people. And okay. it was really a funny scenario. I can't even name dropping Brian Cox tonight. Uh, but when we did Leviathan, we got Andrew Robinson because of Brian Cox. And that was just a conversation with Brian on, on an event. Oh, I know Andrew. I'm really close friends with him. And that happens to us now quite a lot. That wow. we, we find out something. Yeah, it is. It's Kevin Bacon. Like Friday night was like the prime example. It was almost like getting Tom Holland and then everything after yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Wow. You know, yeah. all yeah. those guys have got for that, the allegiance, all the guys of that film have got for it still and how it's Tom's baby, you know, that was inevitable, but you know, historically sometimes there's those who were in the room with them as they speak to someone else and they go, nah. and you're like, Oh, well, if that person can't get them, we're, we're sure shit. Out of life. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta keep working it. And I think, you, you get you get the pieces that you get dealt and then you just have to make that work kind of thing you know and i think it was for us utilizing what we had i think we kind of expanded um william Katz's role in the doc oh, significantly yeah. in the edit you know um because obviously they did the big wednesday but then having that whole trajectory i think it's such a cool period it must have been in the 70s where you know, casting calls for both Carrie and Star Wars at the same time. And all these people just sort of went in their different yeah. respective directions. Um, and so I think, yeah, being able to have someone like that in really kind of helps the story. So, yeah, we might have not got these other people, but you just some, I don't think, have, have we ever really had to like retrofit someone intentionally? I think there's, I've got Peter Weller. Someone I'm contemplating for Robocop two and three down the line, you know, it's like if we get that person, um, they can help, you know, it's what, what matters to the story, isn't it? There's face value. Steve Guttenberg, we had to on Police Academy as well, but we had to retrospect yeah. him. We would in the edit and then Steve come on board. Uh and it does sometimes mean you have to start from scratch sometimes. Uh, but I think maybe the last interview we had with Robert, because he gave so much gold in the last interview, which wasn't part of the original cut for Sitches, he had to be retro kind of fitted in and not in a bad, not in a hard way, really, probably. But it just it did mean shifting things a lot more and moving some of the films out. You know, He's kind of direct on the interview, which is what I like the yeah. most about. Okay, you you know how the film works. I watched yeah. it again afterwards. Okay, there's that gap there. If that finishes like that, there and that finish starts like that at that point, 
I need him to do X, Y, Z to kind of help bridge that gap so it doesn't feel abrupt or whatever. So it yeah. is quite nice, to be honest. Sometimes we do contemplate that in terms of the the logistics of a documentary. Do you start with that big person and then you get all the other people to fit around them? Or sometimes is it better to hear all these other stories, collect further information, and then you can feed that to them, you know? But that's what's the beauty of working on a single person like this getting numerous opportunities if you're lucky yeah. to work with them again you pick up information along the way you're like right make a note of that we need it to counteract and we certainly did that i know with uh weller yeah. so many anecdote uh, anecdotes in robodoc you know if someone was throwing some shade at him for acting a certain way you know we fortunately after four hours with him got comfortable to say oh so-and-so said you're a bit of a dick on the set that day what do you have to say <laughs> that? and he was able to actually, oh, fuck it. This is why I was like that kind of thing. So I love that way. You're like, oh, God, that's going to fit so well, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's a strange one, really, in terms of who you get, when you get. But you just have to kind of make it work, really. Oh, wow. Well, that's good. I'm glad that, you know, everything at the end of the day worked out for you. You got who you who you got, and it all worked out really, really well. Um, was there any stories that were that you wanted to include but you couldn't include like was there anything like super crazy like oh my god we're gonna put it in here but then you're like oh i don't know if that's quite gonna work no i mean we kind of mentioned i'm not sure we mentioned this interview we've mentioned quite a few times obviously that robert doesn't have the tragedy like a lot of people have he's just he's a working actor yeah uh, and it's obviously his first wife that ended quite amicably there's one thing we were really scared about and we can talk about it now is that there's there's an interview with a, a guy called Gregor Punchaz. Punchaz is it his name? Yeah. I always get his name mixed up, but he's a brilliant guy. He did Robocop as well, and we interviewed him because he'd done Nightmare on Street Part Two. Okay. And he told us a story about Robert doing coke basically with dressed as Freddy with a Freddy with a Freddy glove, and we were like shit. In the first edit, which Peter did for us, it was very explicit. You know, I saw Robert doing coke, and we thought, but we can't. So me and Chris <laughs> looked at it, but how you did we do it? it yeah. So much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe we shouldn't just show yeah. this at all. Maybe we shouldn't show that. <laughs> we had a cartoon, yeah, we had a cartoon animation of, of Freddie with Coke on his finger at one stage. And we was like, shit. And everyone, fuck it, we'll do it. But we really kind of like, we'll, we'll put the Chevy Chase scene in. Uh, I like it. Just to kind of give it a bit of yeah. When we watched it with Robert the first time, we were literally, I was holding Chris's hand. We were lying on a bed. Different story. Robert's <laughs> In the hotel room, Chris Robert sitting in the corner watching the dog. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. We're behind him, me, Adam, Chris on the bed. <laughs> Did that scene come up? I squeezed Chris's hand, going, "He's gonna fucking kill us!" Gonna get, and he started laughing. <laughs> and after that, he went to us. He went, "Lads, I don't give a shit about nude or drugs. Pull it in." And we're like, "Oh, oh we were, that's great." We were really because of the scene, obviously, again in the dock where he took about his his manhood. You know, Steve. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is he going to be offended by that? You know what I mean? We're saying he's got a tiny dick, you know, and it was cold. Yeah, obviously he hasn't got his own massive dick, Robert has. But um, yeah, <laughs> it was like, but he loved it. And he was like, and we kind of felt, well, he talked about himself and joked about it, but he's he didn't care, did he, Chris? He, he said, don't give a shit, you know, I'm an old man, I don't care. To be, man, yeah, and to be fair, like taking a bit of creative license, we never want to tell like a bullshit story, but... Exactly. Uh, my, my main thing was what I do like doing and within a respectable way is and what we do a lot more now and we sort of tea tinkered with it a bit in pennywise but is using reaction clips that's my favorite thing is when someone says something we gotta find a shot of robert doing this like oh my god or this and that so that's why i was like 
that anecdote uh, when he's actually talking about working on the Goldbergs. Oh, Mr. Knifey Hands is here. Well, actually, it was like, well, actually, that if we put that in next to the anecdote about doing coke off the gloves, it kind of just makes it, you know, it's not someone grassing him up. It's him like, oh, maybe I did that. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh that was such a funny so, moment. Too. I was cracking yeah, up. Yeah, and and Robert, Robert laughed. That's all Matt. <laughs> he laughed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. It's like, okay, the, yeah. he says it's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And do it. <laughs> as, was, as Gary was... said, we watched that in a hotel room in Sitches. He didn't actually watch it on the screen. He came to mine and my wife's room the morning of the screening because he it's interesting with Robert is he can talk for the world. Yeah. You, you can't shut him up and he can talk about this himself, but very much about other people. But when it comes to like the screenings, I can kind of understand the dichotomy. He kind of does go, or oh, oh, I don't know. You, you can sense that. Oh my God. Like he's, he's nervous, you know, and you would be if you're going to yeah, have. Nervous, yeah. So yeah. they wanted to watch it in our hotel room. Here's the problem. We'd met him the night before in the bar and all oh, good to see you. And we'll, you know, see you tomorrow for the screen and blah, 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 blah. And his wife was like, Robert still hasn't seen it yet. He wants to watch it. I'm like, uh, 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 well, oh, maybe yeah. someone can get it on the laptop and all this and that. Um, that never came to pass. And then the next morning, I think we toyed with this idea after a couple of drinks on the, call it the Friday night. Um, oh, well, we'll watch it with you. Uh, okay. I'd rather watch <laughs> it alone and then tell us what you think afterwards. Um, oh, let's hook up tomorrow. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I, and it's really cool, but you know, to get a call off his wife is like, oh, um, uh, we, we'll we'll come up to yours and watch it in your room. And I'm like, I've oh, just no. had a massive, I've had a massive shit. Hotel <laughs> don't give me much flexibility for escaping it. And then I was like, oh, well, we could come down. You know, bring the laptop and HDMI lead. Oh, actually, we're in the lobby. We're coming up now. Don't have my camera, by the way. Oh, sorry, no, mate. No, you're um, good. Go ahead. So I'm like, oh, I've I've just had a shit. So I had to like get the bloody Febreze out and all the sprays. Oh get no! Out. Like to my wife, call an exorcist, open the windows. <laughs> anyway, they they did come up and watch it. So we've got a photo lurking around. But yeah, I mean, like the, you know, you had it looked like a porno was being shot in the room because you had myself, <laughs> Harry, Adam, yeah. and my wife all on the bed, and Robert and his wife on one of those little hotel room desks watching it on a a laptop. So. To be in such close proximity to someone when you tell their lives, hence why Gary's saying he was squeezing my hand on the bed, which is yeah. not right, um, was like, oh my god, oh Jesus! But that was the moment where he's like, you know, gentlemen, I love it. Uh, he couldn't finish the last hour because he had to go off to do a press junket, but uh, I think he what he came in to watch the last yeah, hour. Yeah. Okay, the okay. So yeah, it, it's it's just it's. It's surreal. You know it at the time, but you kind of just you you bypass all your fanboyness and the hype to kind of like, right, this is the job that's got to get done. It's only afterwards you're like, fuck, man, that just happened. Robert just came to our yeah. room to watch it, you know. Yeah, you gotta um, pinch yourself. Yeah, you really do have to pinch yourself afterwards. So all in all, though, I think it went well. And I think, like I said, I think my, the only part I was a bit about was the um the 1970s and you know with bill cat saying like we used to watch women strip at the side of the stage and like oh shit yeah <laughs> i don't I know if we can say that now uh... yeah. <laughs> that's why we were like well if we keep that part in where you can see he kind of drops that anecdote goes oh maybe i shouldn't say that now yeah that kind of gives it a bit of a comedy spin you know what i mean if you're gonna go into a bit of a taboo territory 
you definitely need something to kind of like sustain it, like lean into it, acknowledge the elephant in the room. Don't just have like a fleeting comment where it's like, oh yeah, I watched the woman strip. What? So yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think we went about it in as tasteful a possible way we could. Would you say, Gary? I think so. But even Adams, you said reaction shots from Robert and from yeah, oh, that was so funny. That oh that just helped because it makes really? the story. Yeah, it just yeah. I just think again, I think that's what we've kind of developed with as well. The is finding kind of like we all, we call it gold, basically. You know, we find the gold in, in the yeah. interview. Sometimes it's not necessarily the interview. That section wasn't great, but there's something in there we can use somewhere else, and that's what I think we've we've really kind of developed with as as filmmakers. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can definitely see that um, going and everything. That's why I'm so excited to see the RoboDoc now. Um, but we're we're pretty much almost out of time here, so I wanted to ask one last question: What's next? What are you guys working on after RoboDoc is out? Are you already in the middle of doing something? Is it something you can't talk about yeah. now? Well, we've just, we're obviously working on Police Academy as a, as a four-part series as well. So we're just awesome. shopping around at the moment. So we've got a lot of interest in that in terms of the distributors. I'm hoping, obviously, it'll go a different a way we want it to regard the distributor. Okay. Not particularly, not particularly horror, but obviously there's other outlets in certain companies that do, obviously, more generalised kind of features. Uh, we and you know we are working on something at the moment, pitching something and planning something. Which Chris can can talk about maybe but not in too much detail because he he gives his story better than me. I'll say something I shouldn't say. Chris, <laughs> yeah. Name. Um, I think yeah, we've obviously done you know, and I'm happy to keep doing them. The deep dives into films. Yeah. Um, historically, I keep saying to people, you know, sometimes the feedback we get is like, or the reviews you see is like, it's just a glorified extra. It's like how bollocks it is. You know, we put yeah. our heart and soul into these. But like, you know, let's see what happens with this doc now. I'm hoping, you know, it should do all right. I'm pretty confident, naively optimistic. Um, and it's been really cool. Oh, oh there you go. Little bonus right. guest. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. We um, love the doggos. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're about basically doing more, uh, another character piece, much like Robert's, maybe a few of them. Um, nice. And I think the main thing for me is, you know, we've discussed this with others, the fact that Robert really is the last of his kind. You know, you're not going to get another horror icon on that level. So we've kind of like, you know, we've we've emptied that well, if you will. But I think there's people out there who we all know and love, in particular in the, this the genre world, who might be that, oh, it's that person from that film, but I don't know who he or she is, what their name yeah. is. So public. <laughs> we know who they are, but they, you know, not most general people only know your Tom Cruises and whatnot. So we've we've been tinkering with some ideas on that and possibly filmmakers as well. Oh, nice. Very, very cool one to do, I think. So God knows I'm a big fan of like directors. So I'm like, oh, that person and that person has There's a lot been. that you can pick from for sure. There is. So I think that's what we want to do next. And, you know, hopefully, well, I think ideally, like Gary kind of lightly alluded with Police Academy, go the way we want. And that is with, you know, certain distributors. Okay. Well, I'm excited for the future of, of the company and everything that you guys are doing. And wherever you go, I'm going to be watching where, wherever these land because they're so fun. And I, I, I love the part that you guys are doing and how you're, what you're doing for the film community too is, amazing like showing all this behind the scenes stuff because i as a 
as a kid also i loved watching behind the scenes and making ofs and everything so watching your films is is just that but way more and like i watch them with my son and he loves them and, and whatnot he loves all the behind the scenes stuff and lear- learning how things are made and whatnot so keep doing what you're doing and uh you know huge thing in the screen box again for you know getting you guys over here and giving you guys a platform and you know a voice also so you can have other people watch your stuff so it's it's great and i love talking to you guys so next one come back on let's let's deep dive into that one as well because it's it's so fun talking to all you guys seriously uh, very much you. we really right. appreciate it thank you and uh thank you guys um so that's pretty much all i have i had more questions but um we can save yeah. those for another time and uh I'll catch you guys on the next one. And hopefully everybody, if you aren't signed up for Screenbox, you're going to sign up now. So that way you can go watch all the other <laughs> docs they have on there because there's a lot of them. And then this one will be coming out um, very soon as well. So Gary, Chris, thank you guys so much for being here. And sorry, my camera decided to kill itself. Oh, yeah, it's been I doing that a lot lately. <laughs> food in as well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, so thank you guys so much. And uh, this will be being posted when the embargo uh, lifts. I think it's like May 30th or something like that. Yeah, so, I think uh, so. Yeah, yeah. So thank you guys Brilliant. so much. Thank you. Amazing. Thanks, man. Yes. So you guys go and enjoy the rest of your day. Go get some sleep. Seriously. Go get some oh, sleep. Yeah. Revel in the sleep. We're absolutely <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so thank much. You, mate. We'll thank you. you. Yeah, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Cheers, Brilliant. Dude. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.